Welcome, and thank you for tuning into the Graceland Church Podcast. Our mission is to follow Jesus and love our neighbor for the good of the city. Good morning. Welcome to Graceland Church. How are you guys doing? Come on. You guys doing all right? So good to be here worshiping the Lord with you. Uh, We believe there's a reason that you're here. We don't think it's an accident. And before we get into the message today and some special things, I would like you to grab the welcome card that Pastor Oscar pointed out a minute ago. I just want to point out a couple important announcements in case you missed them last week during Vision Sunday. We have a team appreciation Christmas dinner Friday, December 9th, 6.30 p.m. This is for all who serve at Graceland Church. I want to be really clear about this. You might be brand new to the team here and have just signed up. You're still invited to this event. We cater the dinner. We pack out this room, and we have a lot of fun. And my wife, the pastor's wife, does some crazy, silly stuff. So if you want to come see that, come be a part of our team appreciation Christmas dinner. Mark your calendar. Christmas Eve is going to be our one big service for Christmas weekend. No services on Christmas Day. We will do Lost Angels toy distribution, which you'll hear details where we serve some of the underserved neighborhoods in the area. And Christmas Eve will be 4 to 5 p.m. One big service. We are going to attempt to put 140 extra chairs in here and in the foyer and open up that false wall back there and just do one big candlelight service where we worship, hear a Christmas message. The kids are going to do some specials. And then New Year's Day, which is also a Sunday, January 1st, one service only. So 10.30 a.m. only, no 9 a.m. service. And the kids will be with us for it. No better way to start the new year. And you can also see on there 21 days of prayer and fasting. And compassion will be January 9 to 29. The money that we save from fasting. So for instance, if you fast lunch for those 21 days just to pray and seek the Lord, whatever you would have spent on lunch, we're going to ask you to give towards a project that provides clean water. And that's how we're going to tie in compassion with that, which I'm so excited about. And then that 21 days is going to culminate. Mark your calendar for January 29th, 5 p.m., a worship, prayer, and testimony night. And I'm just telling you, we're expecting God to move powerfully in our midst and to just see incredible things in people's lives. Um, I'm so thankful for all these things that happen, and I'm grateful that what Jesus has done for our salvation is finished. I say this a lot. We rest in the finished work of Christ, even though we are unfinished. And there's another thing that's unfinished, which is how God has called us to be a part of what he's doing in the world. That's why we do things like Vision Sunday last week, and today is Mission Sunday, and you're going to get to hear from one of our missions partners, and we're going to highlight all of our partners and pray for them, because we believe in the importance of what this scripture says, Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As is, it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And our goal and what we partner with the Lord in is that all will hear this good news. And we have some missionaries today that have devoted their lives to that. But we are also all called as followers of Jesus to this. We talked about last week how really our vision can be summed up with following Jesus. And then he orients our hearts towards our neighbor. And we specifically see that becoming a diverse and enduring church focused on what? The mission of God. And today we remind ourselves of what God is doing in the world and what our part is. 
Even our bridge events, like our Fall Fest that we did last week, is a part of this work because we get to meet lots of new people, some of which desperately want to and need to hear the hope of Jesus, or maybe people who desperately need church family. How many of you guys got to come to the Fall Festival and help serve? Wasn't that amazing? Shout out to Bethany, who's now in the house. (laughs) Bethany... Bethany's our event coordinator for that event and did all the prep work. It's a lot of work. We had like 20 booths and stations and, uh, you know, hundreds and hundreds of hot dogs and food. And then the week of, her and her husband got sick and couldn't even be at the event. So thank you, Bethany, for serving so well and making that event work great. And uh, some others on our team stepped up. But check out this highlight video in case you missed it. Come on, let's hear it one more time for the team that pulled that off. Yes, we had RC car racing. It was crazy. Certainly the RC car racing and the glow room and the petting zoo, which were all new elements to our fall festival, were giant hits. So thank you guys uh, for serving our community well. I can't wait to see what God does through all those new relationships. I want to turn your attention before I introduce some guests to this paper. If you didn't get one of these, can you raise your hand? It says on the top, Ministries and Missions Partners Prayer Sheet 2022. I'd love for everyone to have one. Um, Raise your hand up if you'd like one. Take a look at that with me real quick. What it has on it is our mission, vision, and one of our values, which is renewal there, and then a list of our different ministries in the church, and then a list of our missions partners. So you can see where it says GraceWorks Ministries, and then the list starts with some organizations, and then you flip it over, and you get into a bunch of specific people and families that are sent to different places all over the world. These are all organizations and missionaries that we support in prayer and that we give money to every single month. And they work with dozens and dozens, in some cases, hundreds of churches like us that allow them to be on the mission field full time. And if you'll go down to the second column of the back page, you'll see Michael and Lexa Pope And they are Chi Alpha Missionaries, which is a college student ministry at UT Chattanooga. And they are here with us today. And I noticed this morning that I spelled Chattanooga wrong right there, which is um, a sad mistake, especially because it's our local uh, missionaries. And it's a good moment for me to share another story where I embarrassed myself. So bear with me for a second before I invite them up. When I was a young man, about 23, I was leading my first missions trip. I was on staff at a church in the Pocono Mountains in Pennsylvania, and I announced for two weeks boldly in the church that we were building a team to go minister in a place called Chihuahua, Mexico. And why are you laughing, Nessa? And this made me uh, think of this because Chihuahua kind of sounds like Chattanooga. I was like, wow, you know. And so I promoted this trip for two weeks. And the church that I ministered at there was very diverse culturally, and it had a lot of people that were Puerto Rican and raised in New York that are called New Eurekans. You ever heard of that? And so a lot of the New Eurekans in our church that were very familiar with South America started coming up to me and being like, 
Nathan, um, we've never heard of Chihuahua, Mexico. Where is that? Is that in Mexico? And I was like, yeah, it's a giant city right in the middle of Mexico. You should definitely know about Chihuahua. And one day I was sitting in my office and I was looking at some paperwork that said Chihuahua, Mexico on it. And one of my team members walked in and I said, look, man, this is where we're going, Chihuahua. And he looked at it and he said, you mean Chihuahua? Let it settle in. <laughs> Me, you know, a prideful young 23-year-old <laughs> pastoring in this church, hopefully not really prideful, but thinking I know how to read, <laughs> promoted this trip for two weeks, and I had to get up in front of the church, bearing all my shame, and say that I've been calling uh, Chihuahua, Chihuahua. And Chihuahua kind of sounds like an exotic destination. <laughs> like some people might have signed up just like, I want to go to Chihuahua. And then when they found out it was Chihuahua, they were like, I don't know. And when they found out the person leading the trip can't even read the city, and we're going to entrust our lives to this missions team leader, the, the trip actually went great. But to this day, um, some of the people who were there then still every once in a while give me like a Chihuahua Mexico keychain just to like rub it in and remind me of my shame. So with that being said, I'm so thankful to have these missionaries here with us, Michael and Lexa. I heard them share a little bit. Um, a number of months back and knew that I wanted them to come share here. Let's welcome Michael and Lexa up to the front, guys. Hey, good morning. Um, yeah, so Michael and Lexa, and we are from Arkansas. Um, you might have drove through, drove through it one time. Uh, so we moved here about four years ago to Chattanooga, and then about three years ago, in the great year of COVID, we started the campus ministry um, down at University of Tennessee, Chattanooga. And a lot of people are like, oh, is that difficult? And for us, it really wasn't difficult at all. Um, and I think that it is because of the reality that the kingdom of God is not on its heels. The kingdom of God, which is ran by the king, he is the king of all realities and the king of every person's body and mind and spirit. Whether you're in COVID or not, he is the king and he will rule and he will win. And so when we were there on campus, our experience was the opposite of uh, everybody that talked to us. They were like, is, are all the college students not reeling? We were like, yeah, and we followed the reel right into their dorm rooms, and we told them about Jesus, and then they all wanted to follow him. And all, I mean, you get, you get it, but like legitimately like 80%, which is a different story than the statistic that 80% fall away, right? And that is because if there's anything that you're going to hear in what we share about what we do today, it, I hope that what you hear is the statistic of college students falling away from Christ is less the reality of God's work on the campus and more a reality of our lack of work on the campus. And um, another thing you're going to hear that I just want to kind of put a lens as you are imagining what we're talking about, what we do on the campus, I want you to hear that it is all coming through a discipleship sort of model so that the kingdom of God, it flows through the conduit of relationships and that we believe Jesus didn't come and set up events, though events are valuable, but that he, the king of the universe, could have brought the whole world to its knees, and he left with 12 guys. 
And he did, in fact, and is in the process of bringing the world to its knees. Twelve guys, largest religion in the world. Okay? So Jesus is a genius, and it does work. And it is, in fact, working now. And I hope that what you're going to get from this is that not only is God on the offense on the campus, but he's on the offense in any regard when anybody shares the king of the universe with anybody. That Jesus is too seductive to reduce, to, reduce, to um, resist. Does that make sense? Okay, so Lex and I met 10 years ago in Chi Alpha at a school just like UTC, but in Arkansas. A little less granola, a little more fraternity sorority. That's the difference. It was a public university, and um, when we both came to campus as Christians, I came to the campus as a Southern Christian that if you asked me if I was saved, I would say yes, because I didn't know there was another option. And when a guy came to uh, a a guy invited me to coffee. I came, and he said, do you follow Jesus? He was with Chi Alpha, and I said, yeah. I mean, you, like, am I going to go to heaven? Sure. And then he asked me, what does it look like to follow Jesus, like, in your life? And as I started to explain it to him, I was, like, hearing the words coming out of my mouth, and I was like, that ain't following anything. Like, if this was Simon Says, I was out, or follow the leader, I was out. So I was, like, started to think about it, and he literally looked at me, and he was like, and I was like, yeah, I know. Uh, so I start to go back to my dorm and I start processing through what would it look like to follow Jesus? That makes sense, right? And as I started looking at the things Jesus was calling people to, which by the way, was mostly the first time I really cracked my Bible open, I was like, well, that's kind of risky. So I started to think, well, why would I do this? And it would be because Jesus said so and that Jesus could supply what I needed when I tried to do it, right? But I started to think, could Jesus do that? And I started to think, do I see the reality that he was experiencing in the Bible 2,000 years ago in my reality today? Does this make sense? And I didn't. So I thought, well, if he's not doing it today, maybe he wasn't doing it then, and it was just a storybook. So then I'm like, well, I'm not going to put my eggs in this basket if I don't think the basket's going to hold the eggs. So then I'm like, I guess I don't believe God exists. And what you just heard whether it can be articulated like that, is the story of most atheists in the college campus in the South. That was the story of me, and I realized for all intents and purposes, I don't believe God is legitimate, so I can call myself whatever I want, but I don't think it's legit. So thank God, he in somehow through the surrounding of this net of fishermen called Chi Alpha, he drew me into himself, and I started to pursue him more and more because I liked the people. And I found myself in my living room where they were praying for a guy that I watched. I hope we're tracking here. I'm kind of skipping forward. Who I watched tear his ACL, get his brace from the doctor and his, like, your ACL's torn diagnosis. And then they prayed for him in their small group, and then he started doing high knees. He took his brace off, and he started jumping up and down. And I'm like, well, that's peculiar. Another guy, five seconds later, five minutes later probably, couldn't run for three years. He didn't believe God healed anymore, and he took off running up the street. I was like, okay, placebo. Like. <laughs> and so I had a high ankle sprain, and I was like, well, I'm not going to get tricked, so you pray for me. And so they're praying for me, and I'm like hyper aware. I'm like not losing track of the, my ankle. Long story short, my ankle gets healed, and this frustrates me because my world's starting to fall apart, right? All of a sudden, God's there, potentially, and I'm like, I might be wrong. That was the beginning of not me following Jesus, but pursuing to find out about this Jesus of Nazareth. 
That was the beginning of my humility that would be able to receive God when he was inviting me. So that's kind of my story. I go on and I continue to pursue to know God and discover him and then tell people about what I discovered. And then that's the process of discipleship. So that's my story coming to Christ. And here's Lexa's story. That's amazing. My story with Jesus started when I was really young. I'm a pastor's kid, actually a third-generation pastor's kid. Any PKs in the house? Woohoo! So I grew up in a really rich tradition of following Jesus and definitely had a real relationship with him. Um, But for a lot of people like me, a lot of PKs, or maybe even just people raised in the church, it took an experience of leaving my parents' house, leaving what was familiar, leaving those influences, and seeing if what was real was real. And deciding for myself, when mom's not waking me up to go to church, or when these things aren't happening, will I pursue it by myself? In my freshman year of school, this is the experience for a lot of people, is extremely difficult. You leave everything you know, and you're trying to figure out your place in the world. And my world really just fell apart. Um, I had a best friend of 10 years, and we had a major falling out. So I was completely isolated. I didn't know anyone else there. Um, my junior year of high school, my brother and grandmother passed away in a car accident together, and I had never resolved it. I had just not let God heal that grief that was inside of me, and all of it was just culminating. But luckily for me, there was this girl who I met on campus whose name was Holly, and she intersected my life and started walking with me and started asking me questions, started inviting me over to her apartment and cooking for me, which is the best thing you can do for a college student. And through her life, I got to see the love of God displayed in a way that I hadn't personally seen before. And so God started healing all these things in me. He started transforming my life. And then I met Michael. Then we got married. And we went on staff for a while um, in Arkansas. And while we were there, uh, we felt this invitation from God to start a family somewhere new. And we were really uh, apprehensive at first, but... um, Michael saw a picture. Michael looked up Chattanooga and saw a picture of Lookout Mountain. Do you guys, have you heard of Lookout Mountain? You can go up on top of it, and you can look out, and you can see all seven states from where you're standing. And Michael heard God say to him, I want to take over all seven states, and I want to use UTC to do it. And we were like, we want to get get on that. We want to be a part of it. So we moved to UTC. uh, No, we didn't. We moved to Chattanooga about four years ago. And God has been amazing to us ever since. Um, I can go ahead and show the picture. This is our little staff team, our little family, me and Michael in the middle, and then a guy named Logan over here and Daniel over here. And they both left everything in Arkansas also to come together because we believe what God's doing in Chattanooga and doing in college students. Um, Michael mentioned earlier there's a statistic that says 80% of Christians going to college and leave as atheists, or leave unbelieving. And that's a really high number, and it's concerning. Uh, And a lot of people attribute it to the professors, the parties, the substance abuse, the free thinking, the free everything. And there is a a toxic culture on the university campus, for sure, it's really there. Um, I'm not sure, well, I'm definitely sure, that what's portrayed about the university campus is just not what's accurate to what's happening. Um, But that stuff is there, and the campus gets a bad rap for that. But if we could look through what's happening, it's people are searching for truth and searching for what's real. And so much so that they'll take anything put in front of them to try it out, 
to see if it's worth it because they want to know what's real and true. And that's the generation that's in college right now. They want what's real. They want what's true. They don't want to just do stuff because they're told. And they're going to find out if it's real or not. And the amazing thing about that hunger is that when you present Jesus to them, it works because God's truth is stronger than any lies. His word won't return void. So when you present food to a hungry person, like real substance, it really works. And it's not the story that everyone tells. But the crazy part is the only reason that Satan would be gaining ground on campus is by our passivity, of by not being there, by abdicating when these people are ultra hungry and are searching for truth and looking everywhere and really setting the trajectory for the rest of their lives, becoming who they are. If a voice is not representing Jesus there, then they will just eat what's fed to them. And that's been the story so far, but not anymore. God has done crazy, incredible things on the campus that we came from, the campus that we're at now, and campuses all over the nation and all over the world. There are so many um, Chi Alphas. There's five Chi Alphas in Tennessee alone, um, but then they're all over the U.S. So if you maybe have someone that's college age or you're, you're going into college, you're doing whatever, um, please come talk to us, and we would love to connect with you, even if you're not going to UTC. Um, but God's doing really amazing things. And I want to share a testimony. I actually want to share a bajillion testimonies. And I ran us out of time earlier this morning sharing testimonies. So I'm only going to share one. If you want to hear more testimonies, please come talk to me after. I'll talk your ear off and that's a promise. But I want to tell you about a guy named Dylan. And I'm actually going to read his story to you because it's more powerful for you to hear it in his words. He wrote this down so it could be shared. Um, Yeah, that's Dylan right there. Michael met him three years ago. Um, He's also a PK but I want you to hear this story from Dylan. Okay. I wanted to write this because I think it's important for me to serve as an example of what God can do in the lives of others so that there's no shame in your past. Less than a year ago, I was alone in a hospital bed with rhabdo that was induced by the crystal meth given to me by the guy who sexually assaulted me the day before. If you don't know what rhabdo is, it's when your muscles break down too much and the muscle fibers get in your blood and start damaging your kidneys, which, in my case, nearly led to kidney failure. At that time, I identified as a homosexual man, and up until that point in my life, I'd already had more than 50 partners, and four of those encounters were assaults. The drug test I was given at the hospital showed that I was positive for six different drugs, which was only a portion of the drugs I'd used in my life. So there I was, a gay, drug-addicted, promiscuous, depressed, lonely, and lost man at where I believed was rock bottom for me. It would have been worse at the time had I already known that the guy who assaulted me was HIV positive, but I didn't find that out until sometime later. A few days after, I was released from the hospital, and at this point, years of God chasing me, I finally gave in. I tried the world, and I saw where it got me, so I figured I'd try God instead. He showed me that I didn't need to sleep around to feel like someone wanted me. He already wanted me more than anyone and on a level much deeper than what I was looking for from people. He showed me that I don't have to be under the influence of a substance in order to enjoy each day. His presence was a happiness that no pill, powder, or smoke had ever given me. He showed me that I'm not lonely and I never was. In fact, he was with me through everything. In car wrecks that should have killed me, I walked away without a scratch. On nights that I should have fallen asleep and never woken up from all the drugs I was on, he prayed for me. 
When I didn't want anyone to touch me after all the times I was sexually assaulted, he held me. When I should have contracted HIV or any other STD due to my promiscuity, my test results came back negative for everything. He not only showed me I wasn't alone, but to really stamp out my feelings of loneliness, he gave me all of you, a family that I've never experienced before. I could go on a lot longer, but to sum it all up, because of what God's done for me and for just being who he is, I no longer struggle with drug addiction, I no longer struggle with homosexuality, I no longer struggle with depression, and I no longer need to find my worth in the approval of others. I'm at a complete 180, and I thank God for it. Um, and because of God's pre, uh, prescription, Dylan now disciples other men to follow Jesus. And he walks with other men who struggled with things similar to him and things totally unsimilar because they're all rooted in the similar thing. That is, we need God to fulfill the parts of us that we are overcompensating and seeking from other things when it's not fulfilled in God. Does that make sense? And so the story is similar and the solution is similar. And so that's Dylan. He's an amazing man. Um, he is right now contemplating to go into med school, um, which there are a lot of people that go to attempt to do med school. He is one of the ones that we've seen over the years that actually will probably be able to do it if he wants. Um, he's looking at doing that. He's wrestling with like being becoming a missionary. I think he's going to go to med school, and I think that's from the Lord. Um, but he's amazing. So what I want to share is kind of segue into this last piece. There's a big transitioning happening in our particular Chi Alpha family, um, and that it is that Lex and I were co-directing UTC Chi Alpha, right? Now it will be Lex solely. And she's already taken that over, and she's doing, and I'm not just saying this sentimentally or because she's here, legitimately better than when I was, like, leading it. And it's quite humbling, but also quite a gift to watch as God has anointed her to lead his people. Um, I'm learning a lot um, from watching you do it. And... Um, I'm also learning about how not as good as I thought I was, I am. So, so, but in the process, this is my last year doing that, and I'm going into the marketplace, and what exactly I end up doing in the marketplace is a little less important, though it will be important. It's a little less important as to why we're going in. And it's mainly because when we came here, remember, it was to see God transform the seven states. Ultimately, for discipleship to exit the campus and not just be a fun time at campus, right, where everybody gets hyped on God and then leaves and then kind of deteriorates into a, like a not that helpful in the kingdom, and um, that they would leak out of the campus and into the city, that they would make disciples in accounting firms just like they do in their accounting classes, right? But the thing is, is it's difficult, as you guys have all found probably, that like to make disciples in, in the marketplace and not like in a barrel, that is the university campus, is not easy. So I'm going into the marketplace um, really with this intent that what does it look like when someone goes into the marketplace, basically you don't get paid for Jesus, right? And is what I'm calling spiritually aggressive. That it is your intent to make disciples above all else. And, oh, let me serve people with the services I bring them, whether it be plumbing or accounting or teaching, right? And the hope is that we can give context for our students that when they get in, it doesn't take them five years to contextualize how to make disciples in the marketplace, but it takes them one year. And the hope is that we can make connections outside of the coffee shops that we hang out in, right? And that we can actually begin to make connections. And again, I'm just using accounting firm because it's what keeps coming to my mind. Accounting firms or like um, just whatever the other professions are. Um, and that we can basically pipeline in kingdom people that are a different 
type of people with a different agenda that are seeking to reveal the Father to people who are, chil- who are children and sometimes orphans. Things like self-made men, which is another way of saying orphan. But yet it's celebrated. And these are people who are hungry for the kingdom, who are hungry for a father. Because when you have to put food on your own table, you don't get to play. You have to put as much margin between you and your future and, and poverty in your future, even if you're not poor right now. These are people who need a father, who need to know a provider. But they have to see that it is possible to have a provider. So they have to see a provided for child in front of them. Does that make sense? So we have to put those people in front of them. So we're going into the marketplace, or I guess I'm going into the marketplace, to hopefully begin to like pipeline people in in Chattanooga to give a prototype of what it looks like to transform a city. Again, we're not the first to be doing it, right? There's like churches all over Chattanooga. But to show our students so that when they go and they become missionaries in Vietnam, when they become missionaries on other campuses, when they move to other cities like Miami and want to do something with Bitcoin, I don't know, and that when they go, they go as kingdom people. And they think about a city and apostling or changing the culture of a city with their God and king. And that they are kingdom people focused on the offense, transforming souls that God made and wants back. So that's what we're doing on campus, but we are seeing through UTC to the rest of the seven states. Because we believe that Jesus' prescription for world domination was discipleship one-to-one. And anybody can do that. It's a cup of coffee and being honest with the person across the table. So that's kind of what we're about. That's what all this is about. Um, and it all starts with discipling people on the college campus and on. So, yep. Pastor Nathan. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Lexa. Isn't that awesome? I got to hear them speak a little bit uh, a few months ago, and I was just riveted by their passion uh, for what they're doing. And I'm familiar and love the ministry uh, of Chi Alpha. And what, what, what I want to challenge you guys with today is to take this home and commit to doing three things, if you'll look on the back with me. Number one, pray daily for the ministries of our church and for these missions partners. Um, we know that when people step into God's call on, the, call on their life, they face uh, spiritual warfare. How many of you guys have ever experienced that? Like you begin following Jesus and you begin really surrendering, and sometimes something gets harder and there's pushback, and that's spiritual warfare. So we commit to praying uh, for families like the Popes and all the ones listed here. That's number one. Number two, I want to challenge you to give consistently to support these ministries and missions partners. And there's a line for you to fill in there. I prayerfully commit blank amount of dollars to missions monthly. So for those of you that call this home, a lot of you give you know, what we call a tithe, what scripture teaches as a tithe, which is 10% of our income we bring into the house. It's how we do everything we do here and help and serve a lot of people. And then Jesus really expanded that and talks about a full surrender before him where we're just available to the Lord with whatever we have. And I like to think of it this way. If you're looking for a meaningful life or meaning in your finances, look no further. Like we're invited into a mission And our area has been blessed with a lot of means, right? Our nation has, and our area isn't even standout in our nation, Williamson County, as far as wealth. Therefore, we have a stewardship responsibility of how we steward that privilege for the kingdom. And if you're facing like a sense of purposelessness or depression or anxiety about finances, it might be because you're not stepping into the mission you're called to. 
which completely reorients the way you approach all of that in your life. And I'd love to talk with you and pray about that if you'd like. So what we have is on our drop-down giving online, there's the tithe section, and then there's also a mission section. And my prayer is that 100% of our church would be giving something towards missions every month. And it could be just five bucks, and that goes into the thousands that we give out every month to support all these missionaries. And I believe that as we grow, we're going to be a church that gives over a million dollars a year towards these projects. I just believe that. We're not there yet, but I think that that's our area, and God's called us to that, and we start by being faithful with the small. If you think I'll do it when I have lots of money, you're fooling yourself. It's just not how life works. Has anybody ever thought that? I'll be generous when I have tons of financial margin. It's just not true. If you're not generous with 100 bucks, you're not going to be generous with 1,000. And if you're not generous with 1,000, you're not going to be generous with 100,000. If you're not generous with 100,000, you will not be generous with a million. It's just true. I have seen it over and over again. I've worked and pastored in Los Angeles and Nashville. I've seen the whole gamut of people coming into money or coming out of money. And it's whatever you start in the small things that shapes who you are. It's not about the amount. It's about the faithfulness before God. And so I want to challenge you as your pastor. And if you're new here, just know this is part of what we're about, right? Um, I want to challenge you to bring yourself before God and say, how are you calling me to be a part of this? And it could also be number three on these action steps. Join one of our teams here at the church. In other words, we believe we're all called to be involved in ministry. And consider going on a trip with one of these missionaries, which we're hopeful to start a number of missions trips, or becoming a missionary yourself. Now, all of us are, to a degree, called to missions. We're all called to follow Jesus and be used by God. Some of us and some of you may be called to vocational ministry, like what the popes are and like what my wife and I are. And if that's you, we want to equip you, be a part of your training, pour into your life, and be a part of sending you out. So you can email us, hello at gracelandchurch.com. It's right there on the page. And you can check out the giving at gracelandchurch.com slash give. And what we're going to do to close the service is... The popes are going to come back up while the worship team comes up, and we're going to gather around them to pray. I'm going to invite Pastor Oscar up, and if, uh, if any of our board members are here, can you guys come up and gather around them? And then I'm going to lead us in prayer for all of these missionaries and partners, and then we're going to just respond to God together before we close. So can we stand all across the room as you guys come forward to the front? Let's just gather around and lay hands on them. Father, and church, will you pray with us? Father, we thank you for the popes. We thank you for Alexa. We thank you for Michael. We thank you for the stories of how they met you, um, both growing up in the context of Christianity, even a ministry home. Yet we know that it takes all of us bringing our lives before you for ourselves. There aren't second generation Christians in that sense. It's just us before you. And I thank you for your faithfulness to them. And I pray that they would be encouraged today and strengthened to know that they have an extended family here at Graceland Church that is literally cheering for them. We're a part of their cloud of witnesses. And you tell us to remember the cloud of witnesses to help us run our race. So whatever they're ever dealing with, what they're going through when they're meeting with someone, when they need a miracle, I pray they'll remember in part Graceland Church is part of their cloud of witnesses and is cheering them on. Come on, church, let's pray with me for them. Just begin to lift your voice and pray for them. Lord, we pray that as they face spiritual warfare, God, that you'll strengthen them. We know that you've called them to walk in victory. I pray their marriage will flourish, God. I pray for this transition, that as Lexa takes the point over um, Kai Alpha, that you will grace her for that and continue to anoint her for that task. And may it be a hundred times better than when Michael was doing it. And we thank you for Michael and how you're calling him into the marketplace. 
Thank you for his obedience there, and we pray that you'll give him wisdom and discernment on what doors to step through, who to work with, how to generate income there, how to develop partnerships, all for the sake of your kingdom. And we pray for the influence of uh, UT Chattanooga and Tennessee on the, the seven states that you can see through that point that you spoke to them about. We pray that your kingdom would come and your will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's give them another hand, church. You guys can take a seat. Thank you, board. If you could with me, I'm going to pray through some of these. If you want to look at it with me as we pray, feel free. Um, Lord, we thank you for all these uh, ministries and missions partners. I thank you for all the things happening here in Graceland Church, uh, the kids, the youth, the adult ministries, Espanol, recovery, all the different things happening. Lord, we bring it before you and we commit it to you, Lord. We ask for you to breathe the breath of life through these ministries. We thank you for these partners like GraceWorks and Teen Challenge and Save One and Project Rescue and all these things like Global University that's doing education. And church, look, I'm wearing my, uh, I'm actually wearing my Church Multiplication Network shirt. That's why I forgot to tell first service. They're like, why is he wearing a shirt with writing on it? But this is Church Multiplication Network, which I've partnered with for 13 years, which does church planning all uh, throughout America. We thank you for Church Multiplication Network, Lord, and Speed the Light, where youth uh, literally raise money to buy vehicles for missionaries all over the world. We thank you for BGMC and how our kids, I think even today, are collecting coins that, that go towards missionaries. And we, we thank you for these missionaries in China, Michelle Lejeune, who I just talked to a little while ago. We thank you for her decades of faithfulness on the field, God. We thank you for uh, what's happening in Guatemala and India and Ukraine and Japan and all these different places, God. We thank you again for the popes. I think of Tim and Suzanne Decker who are over in East Africa who, who are literally working amongst people that don't have access or any witness to the gospel, period. And you've called them to literally sacrifice their lives to simply live there, love people, and share the good news. I thank you for the Hursts that, that came up out of the church that Jess and I pastored in California who are now church planting in South Central Los Angeles. I thank you for how they said yes to your call to plant back when we were there and we've gotten to be a part of their story. I thank you for uh, the Joneses who are ministering in rural Alaska and have to take snowmobiles from, from reservation to reservation to share the gospel in places where depression and alcoholism and suicide run rampant. Yet there is good news and there is life and there's salvations and there's hope. So we pray for them, God. And Lord, I just, I just pray that you'll cover them, move through them, empower. And we thank you that we get to be a church um, that is part of what you're doing in the world. And uh, we simply commit to say yes to whatever you say to us. Church, will you just pray that with me? We commit to say yes to you, Lord. We commit to pray. We commit to give. God, it might even be, you might put an amount on our heart to give that really stretches us. But, but God, we just wanna say yes. And while we're collecting subscriptions to all these other things for entertainment and for a million other things that aren't necessarily bad at all, far be it from us to neglect the work of the very kingdom of God and not make a commitment there. We say yes. We say yes for however you're stirring us uh, to be a part of what you're doing, God. You have called each of us where we live and where we work and whoever we rub shoulders with to be a part of what you're doing in the world. And it's not just missionaries that go and become vocational missionaries. We are all ministers in the kingdom of God. So Lord, give us a vision for loving people. Give us a vision for sharing the good news with coworkers. And, and even though we're in the Bible Belt and a lot of people name Jesus, it doesn't mean they know Jesus and have life in his name. So God, we just say yes to being available to pray, to love, to serve. And church, look at me for one last second before we sing. 
I'll never forget in Bible college, I was in a missions class and I had one of the most boring speakers I've ever heard in my life. This woman who spent her whole life on the missions field. Sometimes mission speakers are the worst public speakers. I don't know. They, the popes were great. That's not a knock on the popes. They were awesome. This lady was so boring, right? I can't remember her name. She had spent her whole life overseas on the missions field. But as she spoke, I noticed tears just dripping down her cheeks. You know, here's her monotone voice. She's sharing stories of what God had done. Half the class is falling asleep. But all of a sudden, I just started to being riveted by God's spirit as I listened to this woman. And I just began to feel like waves of God's presence were here hitting me in this boring class. And God, that's when God just started speak, to speak to me about this truth and challenge me with this. The Holy Spirit is a missionary spirit. The Holy Spirit, if we want to walk with him, which is the manifest presence of God to us now, if we want to walk in step with the spirit, we are going to be missionaries because he's a missionary spirit. And he cares about what's happening in the people around you. So if you want to sign up uh, for the adventure of a lifetime and for what you were created for, say yes to Jesus today and say yes to being filled with the Holy Spirit today. I just want to close with something that I envision. You know, our church right now is, is clearly in a building phase. God has called us to build this foundation. He's placed us in this city. He's called many of you here to be a part of what he's doing. And um, he's... he's He's exploding our kids' ministry, and that's flowing into our youth ministry. And let me tell you guys, over these next 10 years, if you want to roll with us, let's get ready to see a, a, a generation of young people come up that end up just saying yes to everything that God has called them to. Isn't that exciting? That go into these universities equipped and join ministries like this and end up just... And again, it's not about becoming uh, missionaries per se. It's about seeing yourself as a missionary at whatever God has called you to. That's what we're after. And that's my prayer for you today too. Um, if you have newly put your faith in Jesus today, or if you just need someone to walk with you, please come let me know or email us. We'd love to walk with you, equip you, um, and be a part of your story. I'm gonna pray this benediction over us. Please say hi to the popes when we're done. Give them a hug. Um, thank them for being here. And let's thank them one more time before I pray this benediction. Actually, thank you for being here, popes. We're grateful for you. Thank you. They took their time. They drove from Chattanooga this morning to come hang out. Although it was kind of because of time change and because of um, the time change in Tennessee, they gained two hours on their drive over here. I thought that was awesome. By the way, our first service was pretty full today, probably not coincidentally. We had time change Sunday and people that would normally be at home sleeping were here. Thank you guys for being here. It's such a joy to worship with you. Let me pray this benediction and we'll be dismissed. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you always. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Have a great afternoon.